Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another bright day in a rather deserted city of Westminster in these current times, as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I am Scott Challoner and I'm joined on today's programme by Stephen Bell. Stephen is the Managing Director at Install Solar Limited, a company based in Scotland which supplies and installs the latest in solar power, solar panels, inverters and battery storage technologies. Stephen, welcome to the programme and it's great to have you on the air with us in this fine day. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you as well. Thank you, Stephen, for taking the time, of course, to uh, come and join us. Um, And the purpose of this discussion, I would say, is to really establish your take on leadership as a whole. So if we look at that word leader just in isolation for a moment, what does that word actually mean to you? How does it resonate? Um, my way would be looking at as uh, lead by example, uh, by the front, from the front. Um, not necessarily, you know. I, I don't think that I'm the the boss. I look at it as a as a as a leader. So I would never ask anybody to do something that I wouldn't personally do myself. Um, that's the way that all my staff members look at. We're all kind of leaders in our own our own field, you know. Um, that's probably as long as, as everyone takes it from my side of things and uh, as I said leading from the front is, is is the best way you can look at it you know Mm. I think there's um, a couple of important points to take away from that, uh, Stephen. Of course, leading from the front and leading by example is uh, one thing, um, very important of course, but also that idea of an equal footing, being let on a very much a level peg with those around you and making sure that um, of course they understand what's expected of them you're leading by example really showing them uh, what to do in that that regard that's good because that shows humility um, as, as a leader doesn't it and that's an incredibly important aspect um, of that as well well uh, yeah yeah I mean one of the things that what we well I kind of would pride myself on would be that yes you know, when you come into work, it's it's a case of you're there to work. But if you can put a little bit of fun into it, um, you seem that well. I, I tend to find they get more out of the staff, and they'll do a little bit more for you. Um, and you know, going back to the to the leader side of things, is the main my main thing would be the fact that there, are, you know, the way we we've got our business split into three sectors: um, sales, marketing and installations now yes I'm effectively the leader of all three of those parts um, but I've got a leader in the sales side of things I've also got a leader in the marketing I've also got a leader on the fitting side of it. so you know you've got to especially in this well going through this period I'm, I'm in the house <laughs> um, but you've got to trust you got to trust other people as well. You can't can't do everything yourself, even though you are the leader. I think it's absolutely right, uh, Stephen, that idea that if you really show that you're safeguarding the interests of employees and those around you, you really can get more out of them and also by fostering that really kind of fun working environment, make them enjoy the job because it's easier then to take people with you. And that is an incredibly important element of leadership as well, getting people to buy into that vision. And if we think about leadership in the context of COVID-19 as well at the moment, those leaders that have really put in the hours to create an atmosphere and a culture 
like that are really going to be reaping the benefits at the moment because it will be their workers who are going above <laughs> and beyond, won't it? At the main at this point yeah, in time, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, you know, I can you see the, well, the leaders of the country at the moment, don't you? There, um, from being up here, we get a, an update with Nicola Sturgeon every day, and you know she's decided to go one way. And from from the main government, but you know you can see the I, I can see the strain that is put on all of them. You know they all it's a stressful period, but you know these are the types of times that you need your leaders. And I do feel that overall, not everything I agree with, but overall, I think they've seen us through the pandemic. Um. So yeah, it's, I mean. It's a very, very difficult time from a personal side of things. I hope that when my staff come back, you know, it's obviously their furloughed at the moment, we've um, got a nice wee surprise for them coming back. They've got a brand new office to come back to, so I'm hoping that cheers them up a wee bit as well, you know. It's definitely going to be an interesting uh, few months when things start to uh, to reopen again, uh, for sure. There's still a great deal of uncertainty, um, of course, and we don't know what this new normal is uh, going to look like. And there's still a lot of blurred lines and a lack of clarity around what COVID secure actually means for work premises uh, going forward from yeah. here as well. Um, and business is going to have to continue being flexible, adapting and innovating mm-hmm. to be ready for that. And again, that's another really important element of leadership in itself, isn't it? The ability to be adaptable. Of course, yeah. I mean, you've got to be adaptable. Um, if you're not adaptable, you'd be as well given up, well up. You know, you've got to take advice as well. From <clears throat> I take advice from all my staff. You know, I'd, I have an idea, I have a drive, but, you know, you've got to adapt to, to how everybody else works. And then, you know, come to a sort of, uh, what's the word? Come here, I can, mm, uh, an understanding with everybody. Um, I mean, especially with this with this pandemic. I mean, we our standard procedure is we you know we need to be in front of clients, sitting down, face to face, having a chat. Now we're going to have to adapt that. We're going to have to do maybe internet Zoom calls or you know a lot more detail via email, a lot more detail on the telephone. But as you said, it's it's all about how we all adapt to to the new normal, and hopefully, we can eventually, maybe next year, get back to what we all used to know as normal. It's going to take time, but I think everybody has to show a little bit of leadership. Actually, if you if you want to put it that way, and 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 follow the rules and regulations that have been set aside for us, you know. Exactly right. And to keep the communication channels open, keep everybody informed and try and provide that reassurance to uh, those around you as much as possible as well from the leadership point of view. Um, But even though, of course, it's been a very testing time and a very tragic time as well, this, uh, Stephen, do you think that the experience of managing a crisis and having to go out of one's comfort zone in a way, do you think this does have positives, not from just a leadership perspective, but also in helping employees develop as well? Well, yeah, I mean... You've got to, you have to think about every negative's got to have a positive. Look at it like a battery. You know, if you need the negative end, you've you've got to find the positive somewhere. You have to find the positive and every, everywhere. I mean, the only if you want to go back to COVID that we the period that we're in just now, the positive you've got to look at is that yeah, unfortunately, and you know, it's a horrible experience. We've we've lost a lot of people, but if we didn't go into this lockdown, positive side of that is how many more would we have lost? And, you know, you've got to try and flip every negative situation into a positive situation. And 
if you can do that and look at the world that way, you'll, it'll be a little bit easier on everybody, you know? Mm. And touching on the uh, the lockdown uh, for a moment, Stephen, there's been some serious debate mm. about that as well, because um, we, yeah. of course, um, as the UK as a whole, entered lockdown um, on the 23rd of March, um, and that's been compared to, say, the Italians, for example, who triggered theirs much earlier on uh, March the 9th. Um, yeah. So... Pro- very proactive approach there, getting um, on top of things uh, straight away, or at least trying to, versus taking a bit more of a laissez-faire approach, let's see what happens, have measures in place, and then take the mm-hmm. action from there. Um, if we sort of take that approach, um, or those two approaches away from that situation for a moment, Stephen, um, as a business leader, do you tend to align yourself with being more proactive in getting on top of difficulties and diving straight in when they emerge? Or do you like to sit back, see how matters develop, and then take action from that stage? Um, the honest answer would be a bit of both, to be honest. You know, I like to try and, I mean, comparing it to, 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 to COVID-19, you look at, you know, yes, Boris has come out and had to do to say all these things, but I'll tell you right now, it wasn't him that made these decisions. He's got people in place that do that, you know? And that's what you've got to have in the office space as well. You've got to have, take the advice of these people. So, sit back, listen to that bit, but then, you know, once you start to get to something you know or you know more about, then, you know, you push your own side of things onto it. But I would say, you know, I do, I, I tend to do both and I think that that's, well, I look at it as the best. It's, it's worked for me so far. <laughs> I'm not an expert on every field, but it's, it's worked for me so far and hopefully it'll continue working for me. But I think the best thing to do is just take a bit of, uh, take it from both sides, I think, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And if we look to the past just for a moment, Stephen, um, and maybe what's been behind that approach that you've taken on, what would you say have been some of the biggest influences on you throughout your life and your career? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> uh, biggest influence on me in the past um, would probably have to be my, my little sister. Um, unfortunately, my sister passed away uh, when she was 22, which was... Uh, eight years ago um, but one thing that she did do is she lived life to the fullest and that's why I took the step into starting up my own business uh, you know I kind of said to myself right okay well you know if, you, if she was here what would she do and that's I live my life that way now rather than worrying about and stressful about stuff you know I just live it day at a, day at a time and in a, in a sense do what I want when I want how I want Um my other people influencing my life, my life and my kids. That's right now, um, because it's especially in, in these telling times. It's a, it's a very very tough, tough experience that we're going through, and something that although it's not as as bad as the the wars, but it is something that will be remembered alongside that type of thing. You know, um, you got to take your family as well. You know, my family influenced me in certain decisions that I make. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, my my main one would have to be my little sister. She push, she makes me every day in my head, push, me, push myself out a little bit harder and further. Absolutely, um, and incredibly inspiring, uh, that, Stephen. And I think that 
it's a real testament to the fact that some of the most influential people, leaders, if you will, within our lives can be those closest to home. They can be family, they can yeah. be friends, they can be colleagues. Mm-hmm. And if we think about the future now and what the long term holds for both yourself and for Install Solar as a business, over the next year as we start to emerge from this current COVID situation, what do you envision for the year, the business, and what do you hope to achieve? Well, hopefully for ourselves, uh, one thing that we've got to take the positive I'm looking at is that not every, you know, everybody's been, a lot of people have been furloughed, a lot of people are, are not earning anywhere near the money they were earning previously. It's all been capped. Um, so from my side of things, people are looking to save money. Um, if people are looking to save money, then I'm in the right industry. You know, you can save a lot of money on a yearly basis. That, that'll, that'll do it for the rest of their lives. Um Going forward, you know, for the business, we're looking to expand a little bit as well. Um, as I said, they've just got a, the girls, um, that when they come back, my girls and my, my remaining staff, when they come back, they'll have a nice new office um, that's uh, in a new, a new place for them. Um, and hopefully we can expand into two, two fitting teams uh, or three fitting teams and then you know, move further down south as well. We've got visions of going into, well, we're already in Newcastle, but we're in Carlisle as well. We've got visions of further south in the London area and, you know, hopefully just a nice big expansion and people try to understand everybody else's business a bit more, you know, especially you're hoping that, you know, they don't, you know, you work with each other. I mean, my suppliers that I've dealt with with us not having any money and it's not been very easy to pay them but they've all been very understanding and you know it's, it's all about working with people rather than against people you work with people they'll help you you know I think you're absolutely right Stephen and it's going to be an interesting time just to see how things really pick up um, in the uh, the future hopefully it is very much that upward trajectory and I think given how informative it's been having you on the programme today it would be great to catch up in the next year and see how Install Solar as a business is uh, getting on I think for myself and also for the listeners that would be absolutely fantastic Well not a problem at all thank you very much for having me I look forward to speaking to you again soon It's been a real pleasure Stephen uh, thank you ever so much for taking the time to uh, join us on the uh, the programme it's certainly been a lovely day for it and do take care and stay safe in the meantime as well for sure no problem. You enjoy yourself. I'm going to go and have a barbecue now. So. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it, Stephen. Really, really Thank enjoy you very it. much. That was Stephen Bell, the Managing Director at Install Solar Limited. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst, England's 1966 Football World Cup hero. Um, during his professional football career, he scored over 200 league goals, did Sir Jeff, for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City. But most notably, he remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup competition after his treble in England's 4-2 win over West Germany at the Old Wembley Stadium. 54 long years ago now. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff himself, and that's coming up next. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex, first team, 
when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, yeah. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you 
that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, South so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. 
And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out now. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both, they're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one, it's too long for me to tell you, it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke and make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want you've got time. I can tell I you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or 400 people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, 
who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, me laugh that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but have to, but I will. No, um, well, it, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely, probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily, and of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely mm. 
you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, in a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, no question at all. I think they uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, the answer is straightforward. Answer is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many... Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. Showed. The word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind and single mind and dedication, dedication to the job, 
um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.